Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Man, I, I am grateful for this morning. I am thankful for this series that we're in. I used to be the guy who said, I'm not going to teach in a series. We're not going to teach series, you know. And now I'm like, are you serious? Yes, I am. And so it helps you keep it in a box. I found that. It helps people. I just want to be as helpful as possible. So it's not about my preference or my proclivities. It's about helping people. How's that for three Ps in a poem? I grew up Baptist. Can you tell? All right. So I'm thankful for this opportunity to be in this series, We Are the Resting Place. It's all from this vision the Lord gave me of the Resting Place ministry being this big boat uh, and having multiple sails. Each of the sails are different campuses, but catching the same wind and going the same direction, moving together with the impulses of the Holy Spirit. So I just want to say a few more times as we start this new format, uh, all of our campuses are preaching on the same principle uh, this morning and uh, the last few weeks as well. So there's going to be breaks where we'll just speak to campus stuff. But you need to know, excuse me, that it, this is like, Wesley Chapel's talking about this too. You know, Carol was talking about this too. And we're all moving in the same direction. I want to invite you to listen to the podcast because we have some amazing teachers um, outside of this house, outside of this campus, in this house, on the same boat, different sail, right? So you could hear Pastor Eric talking on this same thing. I promise you it's going to be very different because all we have is the same scripture and the same principle, and we're going, you know, totally different directions, but not really because we're catching the same wind. We're just catching it differently. Does that make sense? So it's really cool. I just think that's a unique opportunity for you to continue to, you know, receive the word of the Lord throughout the week. You know, you can just continue to eat well. Does that make sense? So you probably, if you listen to podcasts or whatever, that's a great opportunity for you. But I do want to give you the theme summary, okay? I do this because, I, again, want to put it in a box for you. But the question we want to answer with this, we are the resting place thing, is what does it mean to be a people that God can rest upon? Not a person, not a, a, a program, but a people, a community of faith that carries the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's going to require some things. We said to be a people that God can rest upon, we have to be a people of prayer, right? And we, last week we said we have to be a people of humility. It was a really good message. <laughs> if you were here last week, you understand what I just did. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, it was helpful, I can tell you that. And so now we're moving into this next part. Um, but before we get there, I just want to continue to put the result in front of you. Here's what we want. At the end of this series, and this is ambitious, I know, but we believe that not by might, not by strength, but by his spirit, right? If he births it, he'll bring it to pass, you know? So we're believing that we can see a people unified and no longer isolated in the way we carry the Holy Spirit. That's what we're believing for, and that's what we're hoping to come through these principles. And the key passage for the whole series is Ephesians 2, 19 through 20. I'm going to read it out of a new translation today. It says, so you are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are the children of the city of the holy ones, with all the rights as family members of the household of God. You are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple, and your lives have been built up together upon the foundation laid by the apostles and prophets. And best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. Amen? Amen. So let's pray for today's message specifically that we would just receive it in a deep place. 
So, Lord Jesus, we ask you to speak now. We want to have an encounter with the person of the word this morning. God, I pray that just like your word says in 1 Peter, that I would, be, I would speak as an oracle of the Lord. And that my voice would be, there would be a voice within my voice. And that your word would come forth. Not man's opinion or whatever. But God, I pray that your word would come and convict our hearts and equip us and give us hope and break down walls and do everything that only your word can do. So God, we're not trying to manufacture it or drum it up. We're just here to receive it with open hearts and open hands. So we receive your word with joy and glad hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, thanks, Mom. She knows me. She can tell. I'm going to knock this over. So I'm going to put it down here. Thank you. Leading worship like that. It's, it's been a minute since I've led worship like that. So I'm like, <clears throat> we're going to make it. So to be a people that God can rest upon, we have to be a people of intimate connection. We have to actually know each other. We can't just say, oh, yeah, those are, my, those are my people. I know them. No, you don't. You see them on Sunday. You say, hi, bye. You say, how are you doing? You say, great, brother. How are you? Great, brother. And you're both lying. You know, that whole thing. I'm here to kill that today. Death to inauthenticity. Death to the plastic smile. You know? It's called lying. I don't know how the church has become such great liars at church. You know? How are you doing? Great. You know? My life is actually falling apart, but I can't tell you that because I'm not connected with you on a level where you can handle it. And I'm not actually connected to anyone on that level, so I'm just trying to figure it out. That's the opposite of what we want. To be a people that God can rest upon, we have to be a people of intimate connection. And Jesus is our model, amen? He is our prototype. He is the way to do it. I don't know if you've seen this meme, but like it says something like, one of the greatest miracles in the New Testament is a 30-year-old man having 12 close friends. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Jesus having 12 close friends in his 30s, like that was a miracle. I can tell you, it's, it's a miracle to have any friends when you have small children. I can tell you that. That's another one. Like none of your friends end up liking you very much usually. It's like, we'll talk to you in uh, 18 years. You know, <laughs> I've got some, uh, we call them free-range children, you know. I don't know if you've heard of free-range chickens, but that is the picture. We're trying, all right. They just came out that way, and we're trying. But it's, it's hard. In every season of our life, it becomes a new challenge to create intimate connections, amen? It's not easy, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And Jesus modeled this. So here's our key passage this Sunday. You ready? Mark 6, verse 30 through 32. It says, Then the apostles gathered around Jesus and told him everything they had done and taught. He said to them, Come with me privately to an isolated place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and there was no time to eat. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a remote place. Ha, ha, ha. Boat. We are the rest of them. I don't know. Okay, sorry. 
This is in the context of a lot of output from the disciples. And we're going to read a lot of scripture today. Sorry, not sorry. We're going to read in the context of how this happened. Okay, we're going to look at the arc of this, the timeline of this thing, because I think it shows perfectly the difficulty and the intentionality behind intimate connection. We see Jesus pulling his, his boys away and saying, let's go. Let's be together. But I want you to understand the context. I want you to see the timeline of this thing. So let's back up to Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 1. This is speaking of Jesus. And he said, he went away from there. And just so you know, the Gospels are just like a, a snapshots of Jesus' ministry. So he was in one place, and now he went away from there, that place, and came to his hometown. Say his hometown. He went home. He went home. And his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the, wi the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, to the offended people. Yeah, he talked right at the offended people. Like, people get upset with me. I'm like, I'm actually just kind of like Jesus, and you're not used to it, all right? Like, you're used to the mamby-pamby, like, Jesus doesn't hurt anybody's feelings junk that the Western church is trying to sell you. Dude was right on the nose all the time. Like, hey, you, yeah, you, offended one. Are you ready? A prophet is not with honor except in his hometown and among his relatives in his own household. He's looking at his relatives in his household talking like that. He's not like, hey, remember that one time where they offended me? Yeah, a prophet's not without honor except in his own. No, he said, oh, they're dishonoring me. A prophet is not without honor except in his own household, in his own town. <laughs> I don't know, man. I watched this stuff like a movie. Like, what was his brother's face like? Like, what was his sister's face? I've got my little brother and my mom in the front row. All right? And if, I just, if they were mad at me and I started talking like that right now, their faces would, would do something. You know what I mean? Like, it's not an easy conversation, right? And it says he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. When Jesus is marveling because of your unbelief, going astonished, like I've seen a lot, but wow. Oh, it's not very comforting. And he went about among the villages teaching. He left there. He went to other villages. And then he called the 12, and he began to send them out two by two. And he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics, meaning don't take anything extra. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you. When you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet. Shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. That's the immediate context preceding this moment that I read to you at the beginning. So here's the reality of the ark here. Jesus was rejected by his own family. By his own people he grew up with. And the hard truth of our life here on earth is that sometimes the people who are supposed to be connected to us the closest are the ones who reject us the most. 
That's just true. Not all of my family approves of what I do. Some of them have been very vocal about not approving. That's true. I know that. I know that pain. It's not easy. I, my, I didn't share this in the first, but I'll share it now because bubbling up, the Lord, boop, hopefully this is God and not just my brain. We'll go for it and see. <laughs> it's like that sometimes. You just kind of see how that. I was married previously. I'm married to this amazing woman in the back. We have two children. But I was married to the girl, high school sweetheart girl, and she left me. She just left me. No, she never, she didn't even blame me. She just said, I just can't do this and just left. And it's like, how do you make someone who doesn't want to be there, how do you make them stay? So she walked out. I didn't want her to, I didn't even sign anything. It just happened. It's crazy. That's, that's pain, man. That's pain. Because I thought it was unto death. I thought covenant was there. Felt like my stomach was being ripped out of my rib cage for six months. Physical pain. I know what that's like. You know who else knows this type of pain? Jesus. He is not up there saying, Would you get over it? Can't you see that they're in pride? Can't you see that they're da da? He doesn't do what we do. Like, well, brother, God works everything out according to our good. Just. Why are you so upset? They're only your friend for a few years. Why are you so mad? Don't you trust God? That's called spiritual bypassing, and it's totally unhealthy. Stop. Shut up. Don't talk to people in pain like that. Stop. Yes, I said shut up. I'm repeating it for emphasis. Stop doing that. That is not love. That is not kind doesn't help either. Jesus knows this pain. The psalmist said in Psalm 27 verse 10, when my father and my mother forsake me, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. It doesn't say if, it says when. Jesus knows this pain and he has provided a way for you to be met in that moment. But many of us are doing something very wrong. I'm here to help you this morning. I know this is difficult. I can feel it in the room. I feel the heart twinge right now. I'm not, I'm not like trying to be, pass it off. But I want to help you out of the pit, not just sit in the pit with you. Are, you. are you okay with that? Okay, well, I have a microphone, so that's what we're doing anyway. So I'm going to pull you out as best I can. Here's what many people do in these moments. They look to other people when they're forsaken by people. You know what the problem with that is? You're still looking to people. <laughs> and give them 10 tries, people will let you down. Hello? The first place we need to look when we're rejected by those closest to us is the Lord. The Lord. And I'm not talking about the spiritual bypassing stuff. I'm talking about going to the Godhead and saying, help, this hurts. No one can help you like he can. No one will help you like he can. 
It's not the only thing you do, but it is the first thing you do. Do not call your other friend and vent. Get alone with Jesus and vent all you need. Like, let it out. He can take every cuss word. He can take everything. He can take it. It's so unsafe for you to immediately go to a fallible human being who cannot filter your pain the way Jesus can. The first place you have to go is the Lord. And stop blaming others for not being able to receive you in that moment. It's not okay. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to them. We have to receive from our Heavenly Father when our earthly father doesn't do his job. We have to receive from our elder brother when our brothers reject us. We have to receive from the spirit of wisdom called Lady Wisdom in the Proverbs. So get over it, Facebook. We got to receive from the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the advocate. Ain't nobody going to fight for you like your mama. You have to receive from God first before you receive from people. And if you think otherwise, you are deceived and it's causing you problems. That's why I'm talking to you this way. Stop. Then and only then, once we receive from the Lord, can we have right expectations for the spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers around us? Only once we receive from the Heavenly Father, can we have right expectation for the people around us? Then and only then will we stop looking for our friends, our spouses, our employers, and our pastors to fill a hole in our heart that only God can fill. You know what will give you some grace? Start a church and have 300 people think they're supposed to be a best friend. Go ahead and try. Just try. Jesus had three best friends. How am I supposed to have 300? Like, I'm not going to outdo Jesus. <laughs> some of us struggle. To have intimate connections. I say this with all the love in my heart, with all the pain I can feel in the room. Are you okay? Is everybody okay? Whew, it's tense in here. Some of us struggle to have intimate connections because we have unrealistic expectations on those we're attempting to connect to. Some of us have God-sized expectations on the people we're trying to connect to. That's not fair. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to them. To overcome, I have this on the screen so you'll think it's official. To overcome the pain of rejection by those closest to us, we have to receive from the one who is closer than our very breath. The only way to overcome the pain of rejection from those closest to us is to receive from the one who is closer than our very breath. That's God alone. That's the only way to start your process. Well, I just need to process with someone. Did you process with the Lord yet? Slow your roll. Here's the beautiful thing, Psalm 34, 18. The truth is the Lord is close to all whose hearts are crushed by pain. And he is always ready to restore the repentant one. He's right there ready. He's not like, get it together already. He is right there like, come, I have your heart. I want to hold you. Come here. I hope you hear his voice in my voice this morning like, Get off the hamster wheel of unhealthy reliance on people. Get off of it. He didn't model only that he should go, we should go straight to the Father. Because he sent 
the disciples out two by two. You know what he was doing, though? He was hanging with dad. Jesus took a break, and he was with his father alone. He went to the father. He said, the ministry's still got to go. So here, you two, you two, you two, you two, you go out. I'm going to hang out over here. And he waited for them to get back. That's the timeline. So he modeled this, going to the Father. But he didn't leverage any level of bitterness or any of that. He didn't get bitter. He, he said to them, you know what? I was just rejected. But you are going to go together, two by two. I'm not sending you out by yourself because you're afraid of rejecting one another. We're going to put you two. You know how difficult a ministry journey that would have been? Like, imagine you got paired up with Judas. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Somebody went with Judas somebody was with that guy seeing him steal from the money bag going what what were those conversations like like Judas you just raised from the dead why are you taking money out of the money bag you know Judas healed people and raised people like he was in the group he did the thing oh yeah you can do that stuff and not be right with God (laughs) so what about those who are right with God what's your excuse just saying you're welcome. <laughs> All right. But he didn't just send them out blindly. He warned them, right? Are you okay? Are you all okay? <laughs> oh, man. He warned them that there will be those who reject them as well. Do you see that in the story? He's like, hey, you're going out, but there's going to be some people who will not receive you. He said, shake off the dust of those who reject you. Now, that's a very cultural thing. It was something they did to say, all right, you know, I'm washing my hands. It was basically like Pilate saying, I'm washing my hands of this. I'm out. But I see a picture here for us. Uh, Did you know Ephesians 6.15 says that uh, the gospel is like sandals of peace. Yeah, like the full armor of God, the sandals of peace. Well, I think this is a picture of never losing your ability to walk in the peace of God. No matter who rejects you. I believe that's what this is a picture of. Because here's the truth. We can only go as deep with people as they go with us. And if they won't receive you, it's right to walk away. Intimate connection is a two-way street. Right? We have to be received by one another. You have to receive me as someone who has anything to say for, for God to even speak to you right now through this moment, right? There has to be a mutual receiving of one another in every level of relationship we have. And the, as much as we'll receive one another is as deep as we'll go, right? But here's the problem. Some of us struggle to have intimate connection because we fight for it more than the other person's willing to receive it. And it leads to this nasty thing called codependence. Codependence is where you care more about the relationship than they do. You care more about their wholeness than they do. You care more about their life than they do. And you become an an enablement for them. And they start to lean on you like a crutch. All right? Those relationships need some dust shaking. And just a little note, because I'm here to help you. Side note. Side note. I'm going to side note. The only people upset with boundaries are those who are currently violating them. So they get mad. They were mad already. All right.
It's a two-way street, bro. Always. So to overcome the pain of rejection from failing to make new friends, sometimes you have to keep your peace by walking away. I have it on the screen. Make it official. Give it to me, Ralphie. Yeah. Come on. Sometimes you just got to keep your peace by walking away. Now, this doesn't work in marriage. It doesn't work in covenant, deep covenant relationships that you've had for years. Not right away. It's not the first thing. Don't hear what I'm not saying. All right? I'm just supposed to walk away from every difficult relationship. I heard that guy say it. No, I didn't say that. Funny joke. You ready? I had a, a pastor growing up who used to tell this joke all the time, and I don't think it's actually a joke, but he said it was a joke. He said he had someone come to him after the sermon afterwards and say, uh, great sermon, but when you said blah, 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 I really just didn't agree with that. And the pastor said, well, I don't agree with that either. I don't think I said it. He's like, no, you said it, and I don't agree. I'm like, I won't, don't think I'd say that. You know, I, I really wouldn't say that. And the person goes, you know what? You know, iron sharpens iron, brother, and I'm just telling you what you said wasn't right. I'm not trying to cause any problems. And the pastor goes, well, we record all the sermons, and I'm going to go listen to it. And if I indeed said that, I will repent publicly. And the guy goes and says, I don't care what that recording says. I know what I heard. (laughs) That's called the spirit of offense. It will make you hear things that are not being said. Yeah, all the time. So don't hear what I'm not saying in Jesus' name. I hope you're appreciating the difficulty of my job every now and then. I just, just, this is, I'm having fun though. So, hey, Paul and Barnabas modeled this. Okay, look at Acts 13, 49 through 52. I'm just going to paraphrase it for time. There was a riot incited over them. There, were, there was literal persecution. You know, not like us. They're like, they made a bad comment on my Facebook page. I'm being persecuted. No, you're not. Calm down. These guys run out of town, all right? And they did it. It says, and they shook the dust from their feet against them. Here's the reality. When you're a messenger of the Lord and you're actually coming with a pure heart, there is a judgment against those who don't receive you. It's true. And you're supposed to participate in that. I feel judged. Well, maybe you're supposed to be. <laughs> uh, I try not to laugh, but your faces are so diverse and beautiful. And there's just, it's like a roller coaster looking through the room. It's like, wow. So we talked about a little bit of the hindrances. But let's look at how Jesus intentionally connected, right? Because he made time. He set apart time to connect with those who God called him to connect with. And that's the difference. So even though it's difficult to create intimate connection, it is worth it. And Jesus did it. He got rejected by his closest family and friends. He went along with the Father, sent them out two by two, received them back and said, hey, let's go. Let's just go hang out. Let's take the ministry hat off. Let's stop producing. Let's just be together. That was his next step. That means he came out of the prayer closet healed and whole. Because if he had come out any other way, he wouldn't want to be with them. Are you going to reject me too? Right? Come on. He did the opposite. Jesus consistently looked for opportunities to get away with his closest friends. He knew the group that God had called him to be closest with. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ruffle I was going to say some more feathers this morning. There is a pure version of what people would call click culture. There's a pure version. 
It was Jesus and his 12. He didn't even only hang out with 12. He had three he was always with, 12 he was often with, 72 he was sometimes with, and thousands he was rarely with. And we think the other way. I need thousands of friends. It's partially social media's fault, like, oh, what's your friend count, you know, whatever. It's not your real friends. He had three. We want 100 people to do our thing. He's like, I'm good with two. He had intimate connection with his closest friends that wasn't, wasn't necessarily exclusive. It didn't keep people out, but it did. He did protect it. Are you following me? Only Peter, James, and, John, James and John went up the mountain with him. They went in the house with, him, with a little girl who was raised. Like, he didn't even bring all the 12 with him everywhere he went. He said, you guys wait out here, you other nine. Yeah, the favorites are going with me. Yeah, that happened. You're like, oh, never. Not my Jesus, that's the problem. It's your Jesus, not the Jesus. You made him. So... My Jesus would never do that. That's the problem. It's your Jesus, not the Jesus. My truth. There's the truth. His name is Jesus. It's not your truth, my truth. There's the truth, the way, the life. Truth is a person. And he's good if you don't like him. He's totally secure. <laughs> We're supposed to have close, intimate friends, but that is not supposed to be with everyone we meet. When the grocery store person asks you today, how are you doing? How's your day? It's not a time for a therapy session. Some of us just want to get home to watch the game. I have offered to pay for people's groceries just so they would stop talking. Really want to eat this Publix chicken that's in the bag, but I can't eat it till they pay for it. I have to pay for it before I eat it. You keep telling them everything about your life. Just me. No one else has been in that situation. Okay. You're supposed to have deep, intimate friends, but it's not everyone you meet. Amen? That's impossible. If God the Son, God incarnate, could only have three close friends, what are you doing? What are you doing trying to have 30 or 300 or whatever? Okay? This doesn't mean we exclude people. It's simply a discipline of prayer and communion with the Father, just like Jesus. Jesus asked the Father who his 12 should be. He went away on the mountain, prayed all night about who his 12 should be. He sacrificed his sleep to get a word from the Lord about who his 12 should be. So we also must commune with God about who is to be our, our circle of closest friends. Some of you, your lives would change if you would just ask God, are these people supposed to be my close friends or not? <laughs> Let me ask it this way, and nobody answer out loud. When was the last time someone came into your life, and your first response was to seek the Lord about how close they should be to you? When was the last time you did that? That's a key, man. That is a key. Take it to prayer. Take it to the Lord. Say, Lord, where is this person supposed to be in proximity to my life? Is this a season of deep connection with them or not? Where am I supposed to place them? That's just healthy. This is how Jesus had close friends. He had the friends that were ordained by the Father. This is the setting 
of that verse that he went away. The setting is there's a lot of output. There was a lot of effort, right? They needed a break, man. <laughs> like casting out demons, you know, cleansing lepers. It's, it's real work. So sometimes they don't come out right away. And you got to, you know, I hug people. That's what happens to me. I'm st- straight up. If I'm ever hugging you and you're not being nice, it's because I think you have a demon. All right, that's literally. If you're being nasty and start screaming and barking or any of that stuff and I start hugging you, I plan to hold on to you until that thing comes out. I don't know what it is. I don't recommend anybody does this as a program. It's just an anointing I have. I hug demons out of people. I'll prove it to you. There's a little boy. uh, I was on a mission trip. I won't tell you where. uh, Refugee camp. And he was a problem for the whole group. It was an orphanage. Whole problem. He was just causing problems. Just straight up like punching other kids right in the face. Just really rough. And I tried to play with him and he like punched me in the face. And then he started growling and he started scratching him. And I said, oh, I know what to do. And I just picked him up and I held him as close as I could. He's literally biting my neck. And I said, thank you, Jesus. He's biting my neck. And I went, thank you, Jesus. Like, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's like, and he signed it. It took a minute. But then he just started kissing my cheek. And he gripped my, my neck. He almost choked me to death because he was, hold, he was hugging me. And I held that boy for hours. He was on my back or on my front for a very long time. I've, been, I've since been back, and he's one of the, like, star children of the, of the school. Went back the next year, and he was a totally different kid. They're like, after you left, he was a totally different kid. I'm like, mm-hmm. Yep. I hug him out. I don't know. I don't know. Let's hug him out. Let's hug it out, bro. Don't do that. Don't. This is not a recommendation or a prescription. Don't do that. Oh, God. You told me to hug and I got all these scratches. Yeah. I can hear that. I can see the email. I can see it. They had been in that kind of environment, y'all. They had been full time on that every day, all day. Right, getting rejected by people, doing all this stuff. And then they come back to Jesus. They're like, look, the demons even answered us in your name. It was awesome. He said, hey, let's go take a vacation. He didn't say, let's up the ante. Let's do it again. You know, let's multiply this thing. Let's put gas on the fire. He said, no, let's get away. It was intentional because there's two kinds of bonds. And I'm going to close quickly. But there's a missional bond you only get on the battlefield right? There's a a connection that you only get when you're serving with your brothers and sisters, when you're fighting side by side, when you're in the fight together, a band of brothers, a sisterhood of faith, whatever you want to call it, like there's that thing, right? And then there's the resting bond where you take off all the output. You, You stop performing for anyone. You start giving anything and you let your hair down and you, you know, you get a little bit like, you know, with your deep intimate friends, a little bit, whatever. I don't know what word you would use. Uh, you just maybe hope that it's not all filmed and put on Facebook later because you get a little goofy and a little loopy, right? And you're hoping nobody is recording it. You know what I mean? I'm pretty sure there were times where, like, Jesus you know, picked up some mud and just knocked Peter right in the face with it. Just, boom, just to be funny because Peter needed it. I could see Jesus playing with his disciples. But can you imagine the headline now if that were today and everything's recorded? It's like, Rabbi slings mud at disciple and rejects him. <laughs> they would make it so bad, right? And Jesus would be like, what? He needed it. What do you want? 
you know, because he just doesn't care, right? So I'm just saying, there's times where you let your hair down and you're just your full, unfiltered self, right? Now, that doesn't mean you step into unrighteousness or debauchery or any of that garbage. I'm saying there's a, I can be a certain level of friend with you when we're not on the battlefield, right? When we're just together and we just know each other, right? Me and Scott at Top Golf, we're just being guys, you know what I mean? Like, we're just doing it. Just having fun. He's kicking my butt in Top Golf because I stink at it. And, you know, whatever. I can play guitar. So, yeah. So, <laughs> I hate losing. That's my problem. I hate it. So, it's fun for Scott, not so fun for me. But I like being with him. I like connecting with him. And we're not, we don't have output, right? We're not trying to be something for anybody. That's the resting bond. So you need both. You need both. You need, it's not either or. It's both and. Mission and rest. You need both. Finally, I'll close with this. The church should look like a place of, of intimate connection that feels like family. Here's why. I'm going to put it on the screen, so I'm not going to read it. 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 through 12. Paul compares himself to a mother who cared deeply for them. So we were like a nurturing mother. And then later on in the passage, it says, we were like a, I was like a father also to you. This is 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 through 12. He gives the language of family, like father, mother, this is how we were among you. We shared our very lives with you. He didn't just share a sermon. He shared his very life. In fact, he wrote to one of the churches and said, remember how we lived among you. He didn't say, remember that sermon I preached in that message series. He said, remember our lives. Remember how we acted among you, how we woke up in the morning. Remember that. Remember how we dealt with strife and struggle. Remember our community bond. It needs, to be, it needs to feel like a family in that way. And finally, we need to devote ourselves to one another. There takes an intentional devotion. Jesus was intentionally devoted to the 12. We need to devote ourselves to one another. Acts 2, 42 through 43, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Pairs of two. You hearing this? The apostles teaching and the fellowship. Breaking of bread and the prayers. Not either air or both and. Both and. Mission and rest. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And then it later says that many, daily there's were, people were added to their number. Every single day people were added to their number. To that. So to be a people that God can truly rest upon. In the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we have to be intentional to create intimate connections. And we have to do it in a healthy way. We have to abandon all selfishness and abandon all pride and say, maybe I'm not good at being a friend. Maybe I need to learn how to be a good friend. That's okay. Amen? Let's just try again. No matter who's rejected you, formerly close or otherwise, it's time to try again. It's time to try again, because it's difficult, but it's worth it. Amen? Would you stand? We're going to have our prayer team come forward, and we're just going to pray. And this team is here, has faith for everyone. If you need prayer for healing in your body, if you're here and you're like, I don't know how to make friends, I need God's help, they'll pray with you just to have God move and breathe in that place in your life. Amen? If you're here and you don't know Jesus, don't walk out those doors and straight into hell. That's just the truth. I don't mind. I'm not sugarcoating nothing, bro. If you don't know God through the risen son, Jesus Christ the righteous, your life is probably a living hell and you're headed to an eternal one. 
I don't mind telling you. Because when we reject the gift of salvation, we pridefully say, I can try and forgive myself. No, you can't. You have to humble yourself to say, I need a Savior. Has anyone in here already said that? I know many of you. We've said it. Many of us say, I need a Savior. I can't forgive myself. I can't clean myself up. I need God to do it. That's me, man. If you're here and you haven't had that moment like, God, help me. I need a Savior. Today's your day. Today's the day of salvation. I don't care if you've been going to church your whole life. It takes that moment of saying, I'm done ruling my life, and I give my life to King Jesus. That's what today is about. If you need healing in your body, if you have anything else you want to pray for, please come down. But let's just pray for God to teach us how to be those who are intimately connected. Amen? So, Father God, we ask you by the power of your spirit to continue to teach us. Oh, great teacher, would you show us, Holy Spirit, how to have healthy connection. Come on. Show us, Lord. Don't let this be the last time you talk to us about this, Father. Just continue to speak to us. Send us resources. Send us counselors. Show us where we're operating in codependence. Show us where we're operating from bitterness, from rejection. And lead us in the way everlasting. Show us, Father, because we need this. Come on, somebody, say it. Father, we need this. We need this. So help us. Help us, Lord, to walk in the fullness of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Love you. Love you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.